three, two, one. Welcome back to the Bushnell Project. John Bushnell here. And just super excited to be back. Had a great uh, 4th of July little holiday. Got to go and see some family. Got to see some of you, my family. So that was awesome. And get a little bit re-juiced. Is that right? Recharged up. Recharge our batteries. (laughs) Okay. Uh, let's just go on while I'm here, right? So we were in Exodus toward the end of 17 and had some questions about this. I think there's some good questions. The end of 17 says, when the Lord said to Moses, then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blow, blot out the memory of the Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generations to generation. All right, so from generation to generation. What is causing all this? And I had made the comment that it's because he didn't seem to fear God. He attacked the backside of of uh, Moses' army as they were coming out. And, uh, and then I was being asked, well, how do you know that? Because that's not in 17. Obviously, everything changes here in 18. So where where does one find it? And just from, I guess, reading the scripture lots and lots of times, I knew that it was in here. And it was just a matter of, you know, I knew that. Where did I know that? And then I looked at my study notes in the ESV, and they actually have it in there that in Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 19 says this. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt, how he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail. Those who were lagging behind you and did not fear God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, for an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. And it's interesting that in in Exodus 17, that God is telling Moses to whisper this or say this in Joshua's ear. In other words, make sure Joshua hears this, right? It's not like he's whispering in his ear and just Joshua. But to make sure Joshua is present because it's Joshua that will be taking them into the promised land and and partially fulfilling this. Although the Israelites are going to blow it time and time again when it comes to the Amaleks. God is not very pleased with them either as he deals with them. So I just wanted to touch on that and encourage us in, you know, as we just celebrated the 4th of July, that we need to know our history so here God is telling Moses to make sure Joshua understands the history that the people after Joshua remember what the Amaleks did to the people of Israel as they came out of Egypt, taking advantage of the people in the back. These are, you know, these are the people that are traveling slower maybe because they are older. Maybe they have people that are sick from something. Two million people walking across the desert tends to get spread out and could have been miles long, really about 2 million people, if pretty tightly together, would make about a three-mile wall of people. And you know that they're spread out. They've got cattle. They've got wagons, all those kind of things. And 
this people group, the Amaleks, take advantage of that by attacking them, which is smart if you're going to attack a people and take advantage of their weakness. You attack their weakness. You attack them where they're weak. And that's what he did. But for us to know our history, and as we celebrated the 4th of July, thinking through the history and even listening to uh, some things about our history as as Beth and I traveled throughout Virginia, that is just so interesting. Some of the little, little things that are not necessarily taught, or maybe they were taught, but none of us were listening back in fifth and sixth grade. And I don't, I'm pretty sure some of these things weren't taught, but just as I've gone back and revisited some of the stuff about our leading up to the Revolutionary War, studying George Washington, some of the other founding fathers, um, and even looking at some of the things around Lincoln, uh, the time of Lincoln and Lincoln's death and the conspiracy that happened there. Uh, there's some things we know. There is an assassination. There is an assassination attempt on the Secretary of State, Seward. There's a guy that was supposed to kill the vice president but doesn't, doesn't even attempt it. Um, and so they call it the conspiracy. But there was this attempt to overthrow, basically, to weaken the the federal government of the United States by these, by Booth and his sympathizers from the South. And so knowing our history is important so that we understand, for instance, why do we, why do we have uh, the right to bear arms? Um, why would Roe v. Wade be bad law? Uh, what's bad about the law? Why did it need to be overturned? Is it just because I disagree with abortion, or is there a constitutional problem with Roe v. Wade? So you, you have to know your history. You don't need to, you don't have to be a historian or a lawyer to be able to understand these things. The Constitution, our founding fathers were were very very smart, and some of them were incredible when it came to putting things together. But there's lots of compromises in creating the Constitution, and then creating the three branches of our government and then how even those three worked and were checks and balances toward each other. And all of that was not ironed out in a day. It all happened on July 4th, 1776. But it was a it was years in the making and years of debating and arguments that we sometimes forget that we have this civilization because there were times when we were not very civil. And but because of the unrest that it led people to say, hey, we need to do something. Our, the next generation doesn't need to live through this. And so it's understanding those things. Why, you know, why is woke ideology really bad? Why is it bad for our country? Why is it bad when we're finding out that landowners around the world are losing their lands or losing their rights or having to forfeit their profits, what's that going to do to our supply, like our food supply, if they're farmers in Denmark that are having their lands taken from them, that what happens? Or when we have worldwide governments conspiring together, are they doing that for good or for evil? And so knowing your history, you start to see patterns and you see patterns and you see like, oh, this is like, this is very familiar, very similar to the 1930s. We're very similar to, you know, the 
60s when there were people saying, hey, this isn't good, and Massachusetts being the first ones to rise up and fight the Redcoats, if you will, that, that there was a lot of things that happened in our country that happened in history and happened in church history that didn't happen overnight. But we experienced it as if it happened overnight because of how we read things. So here, in, when you're reading through the Bible, it's good to read through it over and over again because then you've read it and then you're saying, oh, wait a minute. There's a reason why God is really upset with the Amaleks, but we don't read about it here in Exodus. How do we know that? Oh, because of what we read in Deuteronomy when they are going into uh, getting more prepared to go into the promised land. And so, uh, and, and it's no, it's good knowing too what the different parts of the Bible are about. There are some that are a lot more historical. Some are, are called books of prophets. They're <clears throat> during the same time as some of the historical books, so they overlap. And just like Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers all overlap to a degree. It's understanding how they come together. Then, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. And how they overlap with most of the books of the of the prophets, and then where does Proverbs and Psalms and Job fit into this? Right, Job is kind of interesting because some people think Job may actually be the oldest book of the Bible, and that he was that was written first, so it would have been written before Moses' time, so he would have been before Moses, and so here is this very very well-to-do fellow living out in wherever, and had lots of stuff and. Uh, lots of animals, and, and then uh, the devil uh, challenges God that he, this guy is only doing this because of his, because you give him everything. And that's why he's worshiping you. And God says, "Oh yeah, well you go go attack him, and let's see who if he still worships me." And so it's a big test, right? But when did Job actually live, and when was that written? And so there there are debates out there. There are people who speculate about different things. And that's all good. We can have those conversations. But there are times when the Bible is very clear, especially when the Bible starts to reinforce what it's saying in other parts of the Bible. And so that's where I got that that idea that uh, the Amaleks had attacked the back end of of the people of Israel, Moses' people coming out of out of Egypt, um, and that had and that upset God and it was he had no fear of God he didn't fear retribution he was like well I can do this who's going to stop me because he had it had developed and developed in him a fear of God which is going to continue anyway wow I thought I was going to have a short one today and I just rambled on for 11 minutes my apologies God bless you guys have a great day